Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Midweek Metagame. I'm your host, joined by my one regular co-host, Canister. Hello, hello. Unfortunately, Pat is knows us. He got a new job, permanent job, in the University of Nottingham, and he's out celebrating. But he said he'll be back for the next ep. Um, don't worry, though. We have tons, uh, tons to talk about. I've basically played every format you probably don't care about, standard, historic, and limited, but Canister is here to carry with some pioneer and modern knowledge. I've also been parsing through some decklists and keeping kind of up to date, so don't worry. Of course, if you want to support us, best way to do so is our patron, patreon.com slash midweekmetagame. No pressure to do so, but it obviously helps us, um, you know, keep us going. Well, 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 another week and people didn't really wait for me to break Pioneer. I actually got a little taste of some of the crazy Cascade slash, what's it called? Discover deck in the historic qualifier I played. Yeah. I, I was busy playing a little historic. I played a, let's say, interesting deck trying to cheat Geist of Saint Trapped into play on turn one. There's a whole purpose of the deck. For those of you who don't know, there's these arena qualifiers. They qualify for a fairly prestigious 32 player small field arena championship. Was decent bit of money, decent, decent price pool. Once you make it, I don't know what's the minimum you're guaranteed, but it's a cool tournament. I've never been able to qualify, quite hard to qualify. And uh, I had to win a plan, meaning I had to go 4-0 in kind of a league to qualify. I did that was a weird deck that uses a card called Fragment Reality. It's an arena-only card, kind of digital mechanic. And the goal is to have that card in your opening hand, a ley line, and a non-type source of white. So you have about 18 sources of white, about 18 ley lines, and then you basically have to mulligan until you have fragment reality in your hand. You wait, 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 wait. No. Sorry? Let's ma- maybe let's first uh, make sure that our viewers know what fragment reality does. Yeah. I have it opened right now on my browser. It is a white mana instant, which says exile target non-token artifact, creature, or enchantment. And then its controller puts a random creature card with lesser mana value from their library onto the battlefield tab. So a mechanic that is only possible, really, in uh, alchemy, I guess. They're taking uh, advantage of the digital-only mechanic, but it's... The deck you're describing sounds pretty pretty funny. So how many ley lines again? I played, I think I ended up with 18 ley lines, 18, 18 lands, la- um, the four fragment reality. So that's 42 guys, that's 42. And then 18 auras to um, pop up the guys. Because once you have guys on turn one, you know, they can just still play a blocker. So you're playing plus one, plus one first strike, plus one, plus one flying, these kind of cards. And yeah, Fragment Reality is a bit of a reverse polymorph, I guess. A reverse creativity, uh, all these cards. 
And it's usually just played as a pretty decent removal spell in Historic because there's a lot of one drops. So the big upside as a removal is if you target a one drop, unless they have, you know, literally Ornithopter in their deck, they're not getting anything. It's an exile removal spell. So the card's pretty decent. But yeah, I, I saw this deck pop up. I tried it a bit. It was doing pretty good. I felt like I got some decent feedback from other people playing the deck and doing well with it. It was mostly a, a best of one deck, better in best of one. But um, I think it was probably a mistake to play in the qualifier. I lost to Wizards in round one that had Brotherhoods and people kind of adapted. You know, people showed up with a card like Brotherhoods ends, which maybe they wouldn't have as many of in the past. People showed up I, with I more to, edicts. I have to imagine that, like, Given that the text purpose, as you said, the entire purpose is just to put guys of same trap into play, then like that is something that could be answered, as you say, edicts, right? Yeah, exactly. A well, pretty there's... funny linear deck to exist, nonetheless. Yeah, super linear. I never went to verify the stats, but someone claimed that you were ninety-four percent to get turn one geist if you you know you get to you get to look at seven cards um, once, yeah. twice, three times, four times, up to five times. That's still like, you know, you get you still get to keep three cards. And yeah, that's that's 94% to have turn one guys. Obviously, when you mulligan to three and you have turn one guys, it means you might not have a Nora right away. So that's a hand that might lose. You might just lose anyways. But overall, the combo is pretty solid and people kind of struggle to to deal with it. Um, as I said, in hindsight, I wish I'd maybe played blue-white control. That's the other deck I'd been testing and tuning. Uh, the, the, the best deck going into the turn was probably Wizards. I'm not exactly sure what ended up doing the best, but after losing to Wizards in round one, I actually lost to uh, the Discovery deck, which I'd never seen before my opponent was playing the the free to discover, discovering to either mimic glass pool or eldritch evolution. Eventually uh -huh. you get some of the bigger dinos that discover and you you end up basically with tons of trampled damage lethal on turn three because you're playing the there's like two or three copies of that card now, the ones where you discard for two mana and make a treasure, or they cost eight mana. The original one is... Uh... Magma Opus and Creative Outburst. Yeah. There is also a different copy, which is an uncommon, which name escapes me at this very moment, but basically they all have the same activated ability, which lets you discard them for two hybrid desert mana to create a treasure. And, uh, you know, we can bridge from Historic into Pioneer because that deck has been the major thing happening to Pioneer over the past few days. The Discover mechanic, the fixed cascade mechanic, really making waves uh, in the format, including the Pioneer Showcase, which took place last weekend and where the finals were battled between two different distinct versions of the Discover combo deck. The first one being the one you started describing, the Glasspool Remix and uh, Eldritch Evolutions, but the other one being slightly different with uh, Quintorius Khan, the Elephant Planeswalker, and uh, Spark Doubles. Yeah, that was the one played by Triask. Um, 
Japanese streamer. And I'm not as familiar with that one, but it's kind of funny because they tried to fix Cascade by making Discover, but this deck would not be playable if it was Blood Red yeah. Elf, because Mimic Glass yeah, would is... have nothing to copy and Eldritch Evolution would have nothing to sack. That is funny. And there is also like the pretty funny aspect of the fact that Geological Appraiser, which is the four mana discovered creature, has the extra clause on it saying that it only triggers if you cast it, but you just like end up casting it for free so often and in so many different situations that it kind of doesn't matter much. Yeah, they were probably like, haha, we broke it. We're going to add the cast clause to the text and surely this time. <laughs> Surely this is going to be good enough, but it didn't take long. But yeah, I don't know who broke it first. I think it was JMM who did well with it in, in Pioneer. I played against, I believe they, they had a Japanese screen name in Historic, Yuki Ichikawa, also from Japan. So I, I got to assume it came from, you know, some some group in Japan, some Japanese player. Yeah, I've seen that idea around in some discords and on, on Twitter, I think. But... I didn't pay it much mind at the time, and I was just assuming that it's kind of a meme and not particularly good, so I didn't bother to try it out myself, especially since, you know, Caverns was new on Modo, and then, like, Wintorius was 18 tickets a piece, and I couldn't rent it out from Mana Traders just yet. So, you know, I just didn't, didn't bother, but then it turns out that we've got two copies in the finals, and it's actually, allegedly, a real deal the deck yeah yeah for sure so did you actually get to try it yes i played uh, a prelim and uh, a few matches to today i played the prelim with the quintorius version the planeswalker so why don't you remind also, us how the quintorius version works yes i was about to uh, so quintorius is a five planeswalker with a minus three ability that just says discover four. On top of that, it also, he also has a passive, which says that whenever you cast a spell from exile, you deal two damage to your opponent and you gain two life. So the way you build a Quintorius combo deck is you just play four Quintorius, you play four Spark Double, which is a clone from War of the Spark, which copies creatures or planeswalkers, and it gets rid of the legendary rules. So you get to have uh, extra copies of uh, the same legendary tournament in play, thanks to Spark Double. And typically a pair of clever impersonators on top of that. And that way, once you play your Quintorius, keep in mind that you have no cheaper cards in your deck, no other cheap cards, no other cards with mana value four or less, besides those uh, Clones, right? So when you activate Quintorius's ability, you're going to discover and you're going to flip cards from your deck until you flip a 4-mana card. It's either going to be a Spark Double or a Clever Impersonator. So once it enters the battlefield, once you get to cast it and it enters the battlefield, your Quintorius triggers and you get to... If it was a Spark Double, you get to clone it. Then you can activate your cloned uh, Quintorius, flip your deck until you flip another clone, this time you deal 4 damage, and you just repeat that a few times until your opponent is fully drained. 
So it's kind of a one card combo, like kind of like scape shift. But it just requires for you to have five mana, and your opponent cannot interrupt your playing soccer in in any manner. So you know, no shocks, no leyline binding, no murderous riders, no does, negate. It does seem very fragile compared to the historic uh, build. Obviously, historic is kind of closer to modern in power level, and I would say pioneer is closer to standard. But in Historic, it's a one-card four-mana combo, and it has a ton of redundancy because then there's like a five-mana dino that cascades, there's a the six-mana dino that cascades or discovers. Well, I, don't, I don't know of the, of the five-mana dino. Could you please? It's, um... it's an arena-only card. So the six-mana one oh. is the red one. <laughs> it's a red rare from the new set. It discovers five. The five-mana one is a Naya one. And I think it says that basically once a turn, when the first dino you cast enters the battlefield, you get to cascade, something like that. So it kind of triggers for itself. And then I guess the uh -huh. idea is that on the next turn, if you play another dino, that dino uh, cascades. But it's really just another, another discover card. I keep saying cascade and discover but it's discover obviously whereas the the pioneer version it feels like they just negate your contorius your your plan b is much much worse you still have the six mana trumpeteer carnazar which is a six mana discover five dano but past that it, the rest of your deck's like not super exciting well in a way that's so like you still have access to the carnazar the way my deck was built, and I guess the the way that those decks are getting built, they don't even play extra five drops besides Trumpet Carnosaur, uh, besides Quintorius Gun, so that your Carnosaur will always hit either a clone to copy itself and uh, keep going, or hit a Quintorius. And at that point, hit, you can minus your Quintorius, and then hitting a clone is safer, right? Yeah. Because... Uh, your opponent will have to remove both the Carnosaur and Quintorius to stop your combo. So you have that redundancy with with the Carnosaurs, and you know you can you have the option to play Quintorius on five and just minus minus three or playing soccer and that just wins wins you the game. Yeah. It's a pretty solid, you know, minus three to have on a playing soccer, albeit fairly conditional. And then for redundancy or resiliency, when your opponent puts up more of a fight, uh, maybe places more interaction on, on the stack against you, then you can try to fight them using the Carnosaur, and then that gives you a little bit more resiliency. And then the rest of your deck is around Leyline Bindings, removal spells. People are digging all kinds of different removal spells or utility spells that have fake, high, mana values because you know that's what you what you need to do as i said your curve needs to kind of start at six or seven so you're you're playing a ton of cards like bedeck bedazzle which yeah. is just a two mana lightning strike effectively but technically it has mana Canisters lagging out a tiny bit, but for for those of you who um, remember, it was uh, 
you know, it's it's the Bramble familiar standard deck all over again. The just something of a Lara invasion of a Lara deck all over again. Mm -hmm. They're just trying to, yeah, play, kind of. To, to play all these cheat spells. You know, some of them, you know, you you find uh, like Greater Tanuki. Uh, you know, you mentioned Binding. Um, so so Trias, for instance, he had Herd Migration, Consign Oblivion, the Black Virtue of Persistence, Leyline Binding, Greater Tanuki, which is Channel Ramp, Beanstalk Giant, the adventure card and then the spark doubles and elementals what did you change when you played the deck today i played a fairly similar version but i did swap uh, a few of the virtue of persistence for bedeck bedazzles because i was partially thinking that bedeck is going to be more useful in the mirror or the pseudo mirror against the geological appraiser version where it lets me interact with instant speed and stop the combo where virtual persistence does not, so I just kind of swap them main deck versus sideboard. Yeah. Yeah, so it was it was Jim and Jan Moritz Merkel who, you know, won a PT back in the day, had really great uh season and did really well during the arena era. Just great player. Um he was actually part of my testing team for a while and he played a he played that version of the deck. Probably very close to what I played in uh, in Historic. He also has a four Bidek Bedazzle in in his list, along with four Knife Concoct. So, uh -huh. Knife Concoct is is a pretty sick card. Yeah. So, so how do you end up doing with the deck? So, something that exists uh, in Pioneer, and there is. A lot of uh, innovation happening with those lists, I would say. In general, people are digging all kinds of wild cards from that you forgot about, that you didn't think exists. And uh, it seems to me like the Quintorius version is trying to be maybe a bit slower, but more mid-rangey and more stable in a, in a longer game because the backup plans that you have access to is maybe also sticking a Quintorius and start plusing it if you were afraid of, let's say, shocks of Bonecrusher Giants. So never too bad to be able to just plus your Planeswalker to make some tokens and try to take over the board with that, maybe cast a Herd Migration or stuff like that. While the Geological Appraiser version uses a similar win control to the one you have Quoted from history, the Glass Pool Mimic Eldritch Evolution combination, which lets you just keep on discovering with your appraisers until you hit an evolution, find it Carnosaur, and then you just kind of summon more and more clones from your deck, and then eventually you Eldritch Evolution. That lets you attack with your new army. Yeah, able to uh, cast. They use a Doomscar Titan, six mana, four four. When it comes into the battlefield, creatures you control get plus one and gain haste until end of turn. I don't know if there's another option in Pioneer. Could be. I have not made an extensive search, and yeah. cards like this don't exactly come off the top of my head. Yeah. So yeah. So I was asking you earlier, how did how did that deck feel? How did you do? What are your initial thoughts? 
All right, so I played a plan with the Quintarius deck and I went 2 2, uh, losing a match to an interesting build of the Appraiser version, which I'll get to in a moment. And then I played three matches against uh, other decks. I faced Blue White Control, where I thought it was going to be an extremely tough matchup, but uh, I was able to win the first game by just jamming Quintorius three times, I think. And like for the third one, they didn't have a counter spell, and I just minus and I just won. Yeah. Which is pretty nice, right? Yeah. Pretty, pretty nice to have this I win button in a deck. Technology helped. The cyborg of the decklist I've been playing with had three copies of Fault Distortion, yeah. a Dragonlord Bromoka, and a Thrun Breaker of Silence. So I identified Control and Counterspells as a potentially tough obstacle that I would need to overcome. And I would say I came prepared, but so that my opponent game to a Darcy's reversal, my full distortion just crushed my hopes. Oh. And, uh, you know, of course, I was the one getting destroyed, but game three, Dragonlord Morka. The dragon got him. Yeah. You got him with Dramoka in the third game. Yeah. I faced Monored with main the Grolic Vortex, which is also probably like existing. You're a little laggy canister. I don't know if you have it's on my side, but your the Discord calls lagging a bit. Mm. What about now? No, I mean, you, you're mostly fine, just like at some point, sometimes you just lag out, but I don't know if you had anything open or. Anyways, yeah. Uh, so you were saying you, you played against Monorad with Vortex. Yeah, Vortex just unbeatable. Like you need to get rid of it right first before comboing. Yeah, you do need to get rid of it. And it did help to be a Leyline Binding deck in that specific matchup, because mm -hmm. then I was able to just interact with a problematic permanent type just straight up, which is pretty nice. Yeah, whereas uh, the daughter version doesn't really have that kind of card, I believe. Yeah, the oppressor versions, they are free to run more interaction of various kind, whatever they're going to fit into the into their deck, but it's a little bit uh, harder to fit something, find something that's as all-purpose as Leyland Binding is, right? So yeah, it's always gonna it's gonna be easier to have some blind spots where you don't answer the exact thing you need to be answering properly. Yeah, Seems like the deck would be a little vulnerable. Like a card like Pithing Needle would be pretty good. Obviously, a card like a Stone Brain. Um, I'm assuming it it looks like kind of a a one weekend deck for the most part, or maybe when people are not prepared. But do you think do you think it it, it has legs and it could like stay in the format as a tier one deck? 
I think the fact that there is two different decks that win slightly differently and they don't always like for the most part they're gonna be weak to the same things. Both of the decks are weak to Rolling Vortex and and Drandif Magistrate, but and like stuff like that, but uh, they do win slightly differently, so sometimes some of the ways you want to tackle one of the discovered matchups is not going to be necessarily identical to how you want to tackle the other deck. And also, I think we've just seen the tip of the iceberg of what the geological appraiser discovered decks can do. One of the decks that I faced today in the prelim, the, the first one that I, that I faced in the prelim today with Geological Appraiser, was actually running a set of very interesting cards. I've seen a few discontinuities, which surprised me. I didn't know what to think of that. I've seen Repudiate slash Replicate, which is the Simic split card from Ravnica Allegiance. Yeah. With one side being hybrid simic, hybrid simic, instant counter target activated or triggered ability. Stifle, right? Yeah, so just a stifle. And you get to stifle a few important things right now. You get to stifle your own Lotus Field, which this deck turned out to be playing for copies of. Uh, or you can stifle your opponent discover triggers, which also can be helpful in the mirror. Yeah. On top of that, the other side of uh, that card is Replicate, 3 mana sorcery that creates a token that's a copy of target creature you control. Being a 5 mana card, you can discover it with your Carnosaur. And then it's just a clone for your Carnosaur, so it does maybe not, it maybe doesn't particularly help with the consistency of the deck, but it doesn't hurt. It does let you continue your chain, and sometimes it's going to let you make a bigger board if that is needed to actually attack your opponent down. Yeah, I guess the logic is that since you're not allowed to play cheap spells anyways, playing Lotus Field in discontinuity and that Stifle card's not costing you that much, and it gives you kind of another angle and be a little more explosive. And Yes. And then, on top of all of that, there was also four Torrential Gearhawks in the deck, oh. which, which is a combo with the instance that discard themselves to to make a treasure, right? Magmopus Torrential Gearhawk was yeah. like literally a big part of the creativity deck for a while in the past year in Pioneer. Creative Outburst also not uh, not ashamed to cast it with my Gearhawk. Yeah, and if you flashback a repudiate slash replicate, you get to copy your gearhawk and just go again. So there's some nice nice synergies hidden between all of those cards. Yeah. So again, that feels to me like the just like the tip of the iceberg of what is possible. Yeah. So wow. kind of curious to see what's gonna happen. I think those decks are probably pretty like a large enough base of uh, technology that they can draw from, that that they can be built from, that we're gonna see some interesting developments and like ways in which the extra slots can be used. And uh, it's pretty scary because the basis of the deck is just, you know, even if it's fragile, 
it has the ability to just win on turn three in Pioneer, which is pretty fast. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of pick pick how you want to beat the hate, pick what your plan B wants to be. Discontinuity gets mm -hmm. exiled, right? It exiles itself when it does, it does. That's that's the unfortunate. But you can gear hog to rest. Alright, yeah, people are already uh trying to iterate and and, and going deep. Yeah. I have uh yeah, I've not played historic yet, even though it's the format for the next PT, that'll still be a set and there's a ton of time. Um yeah, I'm looking looking to get in the mix. Have you played anything else in, in Pioneer? Those have been my main main uh, places of focus. I did play single league with uh, Convoke, featuring a new card, a new one drop from Lost Cards of Exalan, Warden of the Inner Skies being the name of the card. Yeah. So it's a white mana, one two. As long as it has three or more counters on it, it has flying and vigilance, and it has an ability to tap three untapped artifacts and or creatures to put a plus one plus one counter on itself and scry one. Only only as a sorcery, so it combines pretty well with. Bolder Epicures and uh, Travel Inspectors. It gets to grow and be kind of an alternative threat to uh, to your Convoke creatures in the Convoke deck. So it's been pretty nice. But my it's been it's been adopted in many copies and most most less. But my initial impression was that it doesn't scale too well in multiples. So while it looked excellent overall, I would probably be more interested in playing. Two copies therefore. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it really fits your nut draws. You're spending your your Yeah, it's more of a backup and you just never really want to draw multiples, but it's sometimes it's it's a one drop that can get take over the game, having flying vigilance, being pretty big, fixing your draws, so that could be can be pretty powerful in some some situations, but you just never really want to draw multiples too much. Yeah, that's kind of the other cards beside the the combo decks from the new set from Excellent that that showed up, and then they just happen to be a ton of Phoenix too. Mm -hmm. Do you have Do you have any opinion on why there was so much Phoenix? There's four Phoenix decks, I think, in the top eight of the the Pioneer tournament, and and oh, a Phoenix. lot in the top sixteen, like a few more in the top sixteen. Phoenix probably remains a pretty pretty powerful deck. The exact reasons for oh wow, I'm just looking through these stats and there's actually a whole lot of Phoenix. Yeah, yeah. And copies and and top thirty-two, that is certainly no joke. But you know, Phoenix is just it's just a powerful, powerful deck, so what I'm gonna you know, what can I say? Persia Cruz is just really, really good. Yeah. Well, one card that didn't show up and maybe it doesn't quite have a home in Pioneer right now was the the schooner, the new the new vehicle that's been dominating or at least seeing a decent bit of plant standard. And given that standard and Pioneer are not that far apart in power level, if if Schooner has the potential to be one of the best cards in Pine in standard, it should probably be at least decent in Pioneer. Have you seen anyone cast that card in the format yet? 
I have not, fortunately, but it, it does have sort of uh, Smuggler's Copter vibes. A cat famously deemed too strong for Pioneer, so yeah, there might be something. Yeah, the spinner it. is the, the vehicle. The, it's a blue and a blue and one. It cruises for one. It's a free four. And the creature, one of the creatures that cruises it gets to explore. So you get to sometimes draw a card, sometimes spawn the creatures that that uh that 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 cruise it. Um, you know, kind of what you said, like smuggler sculptor kind of light, but in in blue only. Uh-huh. All right, so I guess I guess that's it for for Pioneer. Um, what about what about Modern? Another format that I've mostly just been spectator of kind of watching a bit of spikes a bruise i got to see um you play your your finals final four of the the modern super league against javier that was really close uh, oh yeah it was it was a nail nail biter towards the end yeah you had some it new should cards be, in your deck too yeah it should be available on youtube soon on magic online's uh, channel so if anyone is even mildly interested in Amulet, then I do recommend uh, the watch. It was a pretty fun match to play and to revisit later as I was rewatching it. But yeah, modern, I was still focusing on playing Titan. Yeah. Uh, Titan, three copies of Amulet Titan in the top eight of the 499 player modern showcase. So. Oh, wow. Certainly, I'm not feeling bad about uh, that choice. It seems like some of the lists are incorporating the minimal amount of the new card Spelunking. Mostly, I see it in the sideboards, which is what I expected and where I landed after playing with it a little bit. It It did feel like it's... A strong cyber option against uh, matchups where your amulets are under attack and it's not as easy to stick them. So essentially, fossil fossil vigor decks, and uh, it does seem to help quite a bit in those situations. So I've been liking spelunking in in this uh, scenario. Yeah, I was surprised to have your play wear tear. It probably had to do with the fact that he probably expected you to play Amulet Titan, but I thought he might mm-hmm. just play the new card, Molten Collapse. Uh, going for a few list, I'm not even sure people have have been playing that card, like Fair MTG, who made top eight of the showcase the same turn which we were talking about, was a scam, just had still three turnmates in the main deck, and uh, no no Molten Collapse. He He did not have the... The wear terror. It's something I'd never seen the white splash for wear terror out of scam. Was that something that surprised you? I've I've seen it before. The full reasoning and explanation for that still doesn't quite get to me. So I don't entirely understand that, but I have to say that uh, in the amulet versus scam matchup I do rely a lot on my amulets being untouchable against most of the list, so both the White Splash and Molten Collapse collapse potentially showing up are a bit scary, so. Yeah. I do not like that as an Amulet player. <laughs> yeah. 
there's there's doing quick molten collapse search here. Someone who came in twenty fourth who had three in their uh, scamming deck. Another twenty ninth place finisher had two in their main deck, and yeah, there was there's still three scam players in the top thirty two who main decks uh, two or three copies of molten collapse. So it did see a bit of play. Uh -huh. Yeah, it's probably gonna take a while for Cam to fully flesh it out and for the players to make sure they want to play one or the other. Maybe it's gonna be left slightly up in the air if cards prove to be at all close, terminate and molten collapse. Uh, that is also a possibility that I think could happen. Yeah. Well it's like the most impactful card was Tishana's Tidebinder, which is the the free to flash merfolk for free mana that counters an ability or trigger and if it's a permanent that permanent lose all its abilities while it's still in play people play that card in rhino i see i saw spike play a blue red deck the other way it's a wizard so you can play it with flame of anor my first experience playing against it was again in historic and it got me really really good my opponent was playing merfolk it's a merfolk and I thought I couldn't lose. I attacked with my guys of Saint Traft. I think I even had a plus one, plus one flying um, aura on it. And my opponent uh -huh. gets to counter the guy's trigger, meaning I don't get the four, four flying. And since the ability belongs to the Geist, despite the fact the Geist has hexproof, the ability doesn't have hexproof, and the the, the uh -huh. fighter targets the ability, it doesn't target my Geist. So it turned my Geist into a a rampant free friend they were able to block kill my guys and i'm I'm just done this deck's just done if almost always if if you can you know deal with the first guys uh game just ends so yeah it was i felt like it was so random and so unfortunate but I, i'm not sure I, I i'm assuming in in modern it's more straightforward it's counter your fetch land counter your grace counter this that um i don't know if there's honestly it was it was it's kind of insane that the, the time biter got me that way. But um yeah, I don't know what you if you've tried you, you said you've mostly been focused on Amlet, so have you have you lost to the card, I guess? I haven't had the displeasure of having to face it just yet. First I have to make a small confession about the Shana's tight binder. Namely, when uh, the set was getting spoiled viewers on my stream frequently came and asked me, hey, Kalister, what do you think of this new card, Tishana's Tidebinder? And I pulled it up a few times, and I tried reading it two, two or three separate instances, and I never got to the end of the ability. I just always ignored what it actually does, because it says something about countering countering a, a trigger or whatnot, and I was like, yeah, this probably doesn't really do anything. Oh. Turns out that in practice, it's, it's really powerful. So it took the first Modern Showcase results and seeing Tishana's Tidebinder winning the Modern Showcase to for me to actually recognize the power of the ability proper. Yeah, no. And it's certainly... Yeah. No, I was going to say... Doing set reviews these days is so exhausting because every card has like sixteen lines of text. So after like reading seven cards, you're just you're just kind of done. Honestly, I I told I, I not I didn't think I did a full set review. I was like 
guys, you know, if you want to, if you want to talk about a card, just bring it up. We can talk about it, but I'm not, I'm not reading all that in, in one go, you know, the good old, like, yeah, exactly. I, I'm, I'm sorry for you, or I'm glad it happened. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you read all those cards and there's like just a few percent chance that is actually a relevant card and just very high risk that you ended up exerting so much mental energy over nothing when it turns out to be to be unplayable anyways. But sometimes that does mean that you miss, uh, well, not even hidden, because many people ask me about this card. You just miss games like Tushana's Nightbinder. Yeah, I thought that what would put it over the top was the fact that it's a merfolk and a wizard for Flame of Aenor. Um, but it seems that, you know, people just jammed it in Rhinos. I guess the Rhinos deck do play uh, Flame of Aenor main and sideboard, so... There's stats and it, it plays nicely in their game plan too. The, the flash was violent outburst, force negation, dispute, and subtlety. So that does that yeah. does seem like a good fit. Um, you know, I'm guessing also it was kind of weekend one, so I'm sure people got insane value, especially when you're playing rhinos. People are not going to expect it that much, and I'm guessing the the people who play that card probably have some good stories. Yeah, for sure, you have to get used to how this card works and what it exactly does to play play around it. I for sure wouldn't play around it not knowing exactly what is the full suite of uh, possibilities that the card presents, but in oh, the lag is back. Oftentimes. Um, cancer's back, yeah. So Sometimes you get to stifle, you know, let's say an amulet trigger, and then you just kind of get rid of the amulet for until Tishana State Binder is on the battlefield. Yeah, it's like a free to flash reclamation sage. Not bad. Mm -hmm. Yeah, or like Punisher Priest, but still like free power, flash. Lots to like about the card. Lots of uh, impressive little details here. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Uh, anything else you want to talk about in modern? Mm. We've mentioned uh, Molten Collapse going up a little bit. Yeah, we, we mentioned some of the new cards showing up. Did you see any like kind of new archetype that impressed you, either going for the list in prelims and challenge, or maybe you know, I, I know Spike obviously, you know, always goes nuts when the set comes out and he had he had probably, you know, a few decks that that were promising. I saw him play him a deck was NT, which is a new red two drop that he was mm -hmm. playing with Street Wraith. It's like whenever you discard a card, you get to put a plus one plus one card on a creature and then you can play the top card uh from a deck until end of turn. Um or not yet really. Nothing really impressed me in a major way. I've mostly been staying in my comfortable amulet shell and playing mostly familiar matchups. None of my opponents so far surprised me too much. Yeah, now looking at the list from prelims too, you see mostly mostly more of the same. Um, yeah, the, the bigger upheaval was taking place in Pioneer. 
Yeah, well, some some brave soul in four and zero is a charbucher in a time biter world. That seems that seems like another matchup where Tidebinder would be uh would be pretty nice. Yeah, I've been seeing all these living analysts, and it seems like Fury main deck is is just the way to go these days. Scam is still the most popular deck, I would guess, and. I remember when I was texting for Barcelona, it was I did feel like Fury was the best thing you could do uh, to to fight Voidwalker, kill it, kill it on the way down, kill it on the way back. Um, so not 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 a big surprise. I always thought it was a little tough to to work with the amount of red cards, but maybe maybe I was just wrong about that because seems like everyone's doing Fury and they're doing just fine with the deck. Probably just a sacrifice that you kind of have to make. I have to assume that players are not ecstatic to start jamming four Furies into, into their living end decks because, you know, the max, the realistic maximum of red cards that you can put into your deck is 12. Yeah. You, you could maybe go into the monstrous carabit territory but we probably don't want to be doing that, and nobody really is. So I think we can safely ignore that. Yeah, yeah. All right, I'm guessing for next version, couple of weeks. Uh, I mean, you're gonna keep playing standard and or modern and pioneer. I'm probably gonna get back into it too. I was kind of enjoying just a chill, uh, chill couple of weeks of playing with the new cards. I played some limited. I've been enjoying sure. it. Um, Drafting is always fun at first. I was talking to Jean-Emmanuel Depraz a tiny bit today. He said his first impressions were not great. I think it's, it sounds like it's maybe a little mixed impression, but, um, but yeah, I, I never have super strong opinions for limited. I usually don't play more than, you know, 20 drafts in any given format. So I don't really have time to, to get bored and stuff. Um, but yeah, it's it's been nice to just play. I haven't even taken a look at Seventeen Lands, which is the the website that collects data from Limited, and you get to see cards win rate and stuff. Uh, you know, not as serious as usual when we're just drafting, practicing for the Pro Tour. I think um, black's the worst color, and then blue, blue white, and blue red are the the best two color combos. I think maybe blue is the best for people who maybe want to draft and. Haven't had a chance to to take a look, and um, yeah, I had my little historic thingy for the the qualifier, and I played a bit of standard too. I played a bit of standard in the early access. I played a bit of standard today, and people have also been playing on Magic Online. I don't know if you're playing this weekend. There's a standard showcase. Probably skip the standard showcase, and uh, I'll be playing the Legacy one on. Sunday. Oh yeah. What what are do you already know what you're playing in Legacy? No, but my default is Reanimator. Yeah. Which probably isn't great. I haven't checked. I don't actively follow the legacy developments and typically, you know, it's better to play the blue deck than it is to play Reanimator, but I just vibe with it, so Yeah. Is it still like Grixis, I think was was good? Was dominating? Was mostly Mostly red black, then it was sometimes with a blue splash for show and tell in the sideboard, but Oh no, I was asking like you most... when you were talking about the blue decks that 
Oh yeah, Grixis, Grixis Delver seem to be the top listed deck at uh, MTG Goldfish, so I have to assume. Yeah. It's just the best thing. Orcish Bowmasters, Delver of Secrets, Dragon, Rages Channeler. Pretty good selection of creatures, and then just, you know, the traditional legacy spells, four days for Force of Will, for Ponder, and you can just beat anyone. Yeah. Yeah, I'll probably play the Legacy Showcase. I never play Legacy, though, so my chances of doing well are slim, but we'll see. But yeah, yeah, there's a standard showcase, and, you know, I always say I wish I had an excuse to play more standard. I feel like that format pretty fun and interesting, and, you know, obviously it's a format that probably gets the most impacted by a new set. And uh, I, I tried some stuff today. I, I started with the, the ramp version with all the caves synergy. You've got Spelunking, you've got kind of a ramp and growth spell, you've got a sweeper, you still top out to a track sign. It was too awkward, the mana was awkward. The red sweeper for caves number is awkward because sometimes they don't have enough caves. It doesn't have the exile clause of Sunfall. So unfortunately, I think Ram doesn't get a, a real boost from Excellent. I don't think Spelunking is especially good in that deck. I think maybe the first copy is nice because the passive for your Triumphs is nice and, you know, Bad Explorer is still okay for standards. Um, there's the new Rampant Gross that only searches for Forest or you return a cave from your graveyard to your hands. So if you're playing the binding version with the Triumphs, it's basically just Rampant Gross for Forest, which is fine on turn two. And I think maybe you can play one or two because you have, what, like four Forest. Um, but yeah, overall, I don't think Ramp is getting much. Whereas um, Schooner, the, the, the vehicle we're talking about, and the new Bats, the new much better Kitesail Free Rooter, I guess. It's a 1-1 one, one lifelink that fits any non-man cards. Um, the only downside, I guess, it's only has one toughness. But uh, yeah, people have been playing the Schooner, the Bat in their Esper decks and their blue-white decks. The the new Spyglass Siren, you know, they finally pushed the Flying Man enough that people are are playing it. It's 1-1 one, one Flying and you get a map, which uh -huh. is kind of an ex the, the new Explore kind of token you get. Um, and there's the Larcenist yeah, too. 1-1 one, one Flyers sound like great cards to both crew the Schooner with and then Explore onto so great synergy all around here yeah and i card the card's good it gives you a permanent tap i i played a, a blue green deck that um ash lazel built she's uh, one of the most popular streamers she mostly streams arena and uh she she likes aggressive decks she, she i got to play uh the first time i played a deck where the wormlets a card that i kind of had hopes for the the one mana mm -hmm. green drop is actually pretty good Kind of a blue green um aggressive deck you get to play tough cookie cauldron that deck actually seemed promising i don't know how it lines up against esper but um yeah i'm a little a little worried that maybe schooner is gonna be the new fable you know kind of a kind of card that you need a really good reason not to play and it's really hard justifying not playing blue and not playing that cards uh, that's just a feel, you know. I haven't I haven't played that many matches, but um, yeah, I tried Dinos a bit. 
uh, I'll have to play more with that deck, but standard standards, you know, the, on Magic Online, anyways, there was a lot of these blue-white wedding announcements, schooner decks. Kind of, you know, Esper was out the black almost, and Esper just as new updated Esper versions as well, just kind of dominated the Magic Online challenges last week. So it'll be interesting to see if it's if it's the same uh, in the showcase this week. It's going to be interesting to see and follow yeah. if you are at all interested in standard. I'm guessing it's still going to be a lot of net deckings, just more blue-white and Esper. Not sure if anyone's mm-hmm. really bothering to to put in the work, but I got I got one more day, uh, one more day to break it and and come up with something. Uh, uh, yeah, I guess that's more or less it for this week. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, we should wrap it up. We got life on the line. We got a lot of. Uh, wow, we've got. I mean, we talked about four different constructed formats. So for those of you who are new, Life on the Line is a theoretical tournament. If you win, you live. If you lose, you die. And we each have to bring a deck for every format we've talked about. So this week, it's Historic, Pioneer, Modern, and Standard. Um, I'll go first, give Canister a chance to think about his standard and Historic deck choice. So for Historic, I would go with Blue-White Control. Had a, a version I kind of liked was a bunch of Fragment Reality, the Kaleem Jin, kind of low to the ground. I was playing Spell Pierce main deck, change the equation, lots of cheap counters, um, maybe a little lighter on the card advantage, but you, you still get to, to play Archmage Charm. Uh, in Standard, I would go with... I guess probably just Esper. Um, you know, Esper mid-range was Rafine, the new cards. For Pioneer, I would play Blue-Black Control. Maybe maybe in a good spot right now. You know, not too bad against Phoenix. Probably decent against these combo decks. And in Modern, I'd probably play something with the Time Binder. Maybe maybe rhinos, maybe maybe team of rhinos was tied binder. Maybe Metafolk. What? Just maybe just good old classic Metafolk. Yeah, Merfolk m- might be good. The the one drop's pretty decent too. Um, I'd be surprised if Merfolk was finally good. Alright, what about you, Canister? You had a full All minute right. to think about it. Yes, yes, yes. For historic, I'm just picking your cheap guys of Scientraft into play deck. It's just way too funny. So 100% going with reality, fragment reality guys yeah, of Scientraft. It's kind of like Tron, you know, you're like, oh, my open small game to six, cool. Oh, they're going down to five. Oh, okay, never mind. Especially because you mulligan oh, really oh, fast. Oh, no. It's, it's literally like, do I have... Fragment in my hand, no Molly. You know, it's not like Tron where maybe you have to think about it for a second or two. So, yeah. Oh yeah, I do. I do enjoy the vintage experience of playing bazaar decks sometimes. <laughs> and you just look at your hand, and you you just apply the simple algorithm, and you just look at hand, no bazaar, mulligan, no bazaar, mulligan, bazaar, keep. Oh, it'll be just that. Relaxing. So yeah, definitely going with that. 
for modern, my comfy pink of amulet, sticking to it. For the legacy showcase, which you omitted. All right. It's, yeah. it's red black reanimator. For uh, pioneer, I guess I'll be choosing to special summon Quintorius Kant and uh, discover spark doubles. Okay. For uh, what are we left with? Standard? Yeah, standard. And for, for standard, I'm stealing your homework and I am copying your exact 75. <laughs> I'm right. hoping it's going unnoticed. All right. All right. All right. Well, if you made it this far, as always, thank you so much for listening. Sorry for the little, like, very small technical difficulties. Um, yeah, hope you all have a great week or a couple next weeks, and we'll uh, we'll see you very soon. Thank you. Take care, everyone.